You're never more vulnerable than when you're asleep. We spend roughly a third of our lives in this state of suspended consciousness. Being awake and going about your life takes a lot of energy, and after about 16 hours of continuous use, our brain needs a break so that it may recharge and redirect hormones and other vital body chemistry to tasks like healing and recovering. An entire third of our lives are spent in this extremely valuable state, but while our mind and body is shut down running a series of diagnostics on itself, we're utterly helpless in the throes of potential parasomnias. In these times, we place a certain amount of trust in our body to simply lie there in bed, chilling out while our mind sifts through the chaos of the previous day, readying itself for another day against the grindstone. But what if you can't trust yourself to do that? Under average conditions, this is fine. In your average state of consciousness, the gates close on the pathways from your brain to your limbs, which command you to move. But many people live entire lives separate from their waking lives by night. Those gates for these people are not entirely shut. And so as they sleep, they also speak, vocalizing one side of a conversation taking place in their dreams. Or they may get up and walk around. Some people have been known to leave their homes, get into their car, and go places. Some people have committed crimes in this state, leading to extremely slippery legal territory. What if you're one of these people who periodically gets out of bed and carries out a series of complex activities while your mind remains unconscious? Waking up in the middle of this activity, no matter your age, is a terrifying prospect, not to mention the existential crisis that accompanies the fact that you can't even trust your own body to not get you into trouble. What is actually happening in this state is something that is poorly understood in the neuroscience community. The function of dreaming is a hotly debated topic, where some scientists believe that dreams are a way for our brains to sort through the day's memories and allocate them to the proper places in our minds. But nevertheless, our brain is active in dream states in the same way that it is while we walk around and do stuff in our conscious hours. Researchers at UT Austin recently took EEG data collected from a dreaming subject and applied it to a model of a person wired up to a sort of software nervous system. And while the resulting animation was primitive and crude, the model moved its arms and its legs as though it was walking, its mouth moved as though it was speaking, and its eyes moved as though it was looking around. Although, this may have been eye motion data related to the M in REM sleep. I'm Brian White, and this is Fear is the Mind Killer. My guest today is Larry Clow. He's a good friend of mine going back over a decade, and is one such person who experiences this condition. He talks in his sleep. He moves around in bed and occasionally gets up and wanders around. We talk about several harrowing sleepwalk experiences from his past, and the blurred lines of actual memory and memories made in the dream states, and the consistent geography of our dreamscapes. I also did some research after this episode was recorded and found out that the deepest recorded depth of Lake Massabesic is only 50 feet. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to Fear is the Mind Killer on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It would be really helpful in spreading the word. And now, here's Larry. All right, you are listening to Fear is the Mind Killer. I'm Brian White, and tonight I am joined by a good friend of mine. Uh, we go back. Uh, we go back a little ways. We've in, endeavored on several creative projects, a bunch of things involving horror movies, written on the screen on the internet, and also projected out of the back of my car. Uh, this is uh, my good friend Larry Clow. Larry, how are you? Good. How are you, Brian? I am good. I'm good. What's, uh, what's going it's, on? Uh, it's actually funny that you you just mentioned our our long long ago uh, guerrilla driving collaboration. I was just telling someone about that the other night. And really, they, I I think about it sometimes, and it does occur to me that that was a really long time ago. Yep. And it yep. doesn't Shockingly, really like. It does not it feel was, like it was that long ago. No, objectively, it was ten ish years ago and it feels like it just happened recently um but it's also sort of I, I feel like it's enough of an artifact of another time that 
I literally two nights ago, I was telling someone uh, at work about it. I was at a work event and we somehow just got on the subject and I was like, oh yeah, I, I did a gorilla drive-in with a, with a buddy of mine for, for like three years. And they were like, you did a what now? Yeah. Like, how did, how did that work? Yeah, I was, it was, I, I had a very similar situation where I was, I was talking about it. It just kind of came up again with like a coworker and I, like, I just, I slid back into all the memories of like um, being, being like, we were, we were in the Christian science monitor. Um, our photo yes. appeared That's in right. that publication, which is just so strange to me. And then um, when we kind of blew that local dude's mind when we were just kind of mouthing off to the newspaper about like, oh yeah, we don't yep. pay, we don't pay for licenses or anything. And then that kind of came around to bite us in the ass and yep. we scrambled to raise something like a thousand dollars in a week. It was. Oh God. Yeah. That's it, right. I those forgot about times. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the next year, just when Swank came around to shake me down for more money, I went, oh yeah, we're not doing yep. it this year. And that was, yeah, it was good enough for them apparently. Yep. Yeah, it it turns out it's it's all sort of on the honor system. Very very strange. Is, Apparently, like if we had very if, strange if we had never just said anything about it, like that'd have been fine. Yeah, the the best part was I I feel like we we got a real insight into like how there are sometimes rules, but also no rules, <laughs> and then all of these weird workarounds like. Like I think you you had to contact Don Coscarelli himself to get like approval for us to show Bubba Hotep, and it was literally as simple as emailing like his assistant, right? Um, it, I don't I don't know if I did that. I think you might have done that one on the season without me, but oh, I, maybe it was, maybe I did that. We were uh, I I believe it might have must have been because but because I remember when we were planning on doing Reanimator. I literally just emailed around until I got Brian Usna's email address and I, I buzzed him and said, Hey, this yep. is the thing that we do. Like, do you mind? Like, what are the terms? Do you like, would you like to be paid yep. or anything like that? And he was like, Oh God, no, just go ahead and do it. And I'll send you some posters yeah. too. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was, that just, that just blew my mind. And it kind of sucks that yep. I've since lost his email. Cause I'd love to, I'd love to just send him, send him the occasional message and say, Hey, yeah. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, like that was also, fun. It was a lot of fun. That was a great time. Um, you also wrote for uh, the sort of now defunct cinema suicide, which was my horror movie website yeah. for, uh, for yep. a while. Like again, like I believe that's kind of how we came together. Like we met at one, yeah, of, that was, one of John Herman's that was in like, media makers things like good God. Like yeah. 2008. That was maybe? in like, uh yeah 2007 2008 i think and yeah. at the same time i was writing uh weekly kind of horror and cult movie reviews for the independent newspaper that was around town and then i met you and then i wrote for cinema suicide we were in that uh short vampire movie or, that's, or the that's year, right yeah how to yeah. survive the strange how to survive the strange yeah. i still get notifications yep. from from facebook every now and then that's like somebody liked this page and it's like that's funny i don't think either myself or john have the like the credentials to actually log yeah. into that page yeah. anymore like that thing is ancient but those videos are still out there yeah that was great your um yeah the the uh, pump system you set up for the blood spray yeah to uh to come out that was great because I was covered in, I don't remember what you made it out of, but like this incredibly sticky fake is, blood that. Yeah, there's no way around it. Like fake blood is always sticky and nasty and messy. Like I've made several different versions of it. That particular one was John Herman's mix of just uh, strawberry milk syrup and chocolate milk syrup to darken it. Yes. And we put yes. it in with, I think, a little bit of water to just thin it out. Um, and yeah, I had that. It was, it was a little, um, like you, you, you would pump it up by hand to sort of pressurize a canister and then it would like, it was supposed to spray lawn fertilizer or like a pesticide or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. I had, yep. I had, I had hooked it up so that I, we snaked the, the hose up into your clothes so that yep. once we opened the valve and you got bit, it was like that explosive gore. 
it it was it was an amazing mixture because it was incredibly blood-like and thick when it came out and then it it dried to the perfect crust and <laughs> and it like it was like I, I had to throw the shirt away afterwards that I was wearing but like I didn't bring a change of I didn't bring a, a, a shirt to change into with me because I don't know I was you know in my 20s and kind of you know yeah because uh, then, then we, I was we we hung around because it was my, a it was a scene that we shot that was supposed to be like a barbecue. And then we just like made a real yeah. barbecue. And and then it was an actual barbecue. And then you're just like, well, I'm just going to have a few beers and hang around. And then <laughs> by the time I left, I had to, I had to walk like, I don't know, uh, three or four blocks back to my car. And I looked like people were afraid. People the were photo, afraid because I looked like, I the photo like was I great. really gotten jacked up. Yeah. Like it yeah. looked, it I looked... remember I, it looked amazing. <laughs> like, I, I remember seeing a photo of you smiling afterwards and I'm like, oh my yeah. God, that's like the greatest gore shot I've, I've ever yeah. done. But yeah, um, yeah. it's really I, great. Me and like pressurized air have gone like to wonderful places with special effects because I <laughs> I did it. I did it again. Like I still have it. I have um, basically like a two inch cannon version of that down in the basement that's made of Oh my god yeah it's like made of pvc pipes and like all of these sort of like connectors that make it so that you connect right. it to like a uh, like an air pump um, one of those yep. like electric ones and uh what we we you've if you've ever seen that robot suit that um oh yeah has yeah. sort of been around the the yeah. scene for a little while that was yeah. supposed to be in another episode that we never shot but where sean built the robot suit he was going to be in it and in it, he kills his creator by kind of like smashing him with, with both yeah. fists. And then again, I'm just out of frame with this device, where when you open the valve, you just like full of that stuff that just splattered oh the my robot. God, I love it. And we never got to shoot that one. But when we did the Grand Guignol play down at the Players Ring, I did another one where it was a much smaller version, where it was like a little capsule made from pvc with the same sort of hose setup and um one of those little devices that you you put those um they're like co2 canisters but they're oh small. yeah yeah they're meant to like yep. you know clean your computer or something like that but we hid it yep. in the actress's clothes and so there's a scene where she gets her throat cut and we did the same thing where we snaked a we snaked some like surgical tubing up into her collar and notched the end of it so that it didn't just explode upwards. It sprayed outwards in an arm. Sprayed out. Yeah. And so when she got cut, she would sort of make a gesture like, oh no, I've been slashed. And she presses the trigger, which right. pressurizes the tank and forces the blood up forward. So and cool. then she hoses down the audience. It was like one of the best things I've, I've done. I, I loved it. But that fake blood mix was not the same one. This one was like the corn syrup and the and the food coloring. Oh, okay. And yep. to counter the food coloring, John put uh, some kind of a detergent in it that was fine for clothes, but one of the actors gets his eyes scooped out in a scene, and they would and the actor would like squish uh, like a little squib in his hand, and it yep. went in his eye night after night. For oh like, I think we did we did weekend productions of this for like a month, and this poor guy, I'm surprised he still has his eyesight. Like every night, he was like, oh "Yeah, it really, it really, it's like it really burns." I'm like, "Dude, we don't have to do that." He's like, "Don't worry about it." I'm like, "I'm worrying about it." That's that's a, a high commitment yeah. to uh, to to one's art. Yeah, that's amazing. Yep he uh, he he did it he did it right. And I'll tell you what, that guy he played the hell out of that scene, and he wasn't even getting paid so. Good for him. <laughs> but anyways, I have asked you here tonight, uh, since we're, we're on that topic, it's very Halloween-y. This feels very Halloween-y. Since we're, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're recording this in the high holy days of horror. Um, Larry, what scares you? Oh, man. I mean, I, you know, with, with anything like this, whenever I'm uh, asked to do something like this, I both feel entirely unqualified for it um, and perhaps overqualified for it. <laughs> and in this case, I, I, I feel like I have hit the sweet spot of qualification because I'm, you know, 
I'm a uh, proud and official Zoloft taking American. Of course. Um, who with a with a just a whole litany of anxieties and fears. Um, and so when you asked me about this, asked me to do this, I was like, what am I afraid of? And then it, it sort of became such a long list. I was like, I, what am I not afraid of? Because <laughs> there are just so many things. And so I think one of, one of the first things that I thought of was actually, um, I really loved your uh, trailer for the, for the show and your kind of intro oh, to the podcast. And you were talking about like, uh, having having these night terrors and this fear of like going to sleep and and everything and that's something that resonated with me um, partially because I I do have a ton of nightmares but primarily because I was a sleep I was a sleepwalker um, when I was a when I was a kid no shit um, yes um, and so like it's one of those things where the some of this some of like and like my my family has all of these. Uh, stories about me sleepwalking and the, and they all you know it's one of those things where like it starts out like kind of adorable my mom would talk about how uh, I would sleepwalk and I would like walk into a room and I would just start like mumbling about like ice cream or something yeah like and, the scene from uh, Step Brothers. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and you know they just pat me on the head and like turn me around and then I'd like go back to bed and everything but I did it so often um that uh, I, I I stayed I stayed with my uh, my grandparents a lot when I was a kid and I slept walk so often that um, my grandmother's nightly routine involved her putting chairs in front of like all of the doors yeah um out of out of out of the house basically because I would uh, I would go places um and did so you ever actually like the, were you known to ever actually leave or was this just uh like a precaution n- no so so this this started um her her routine of putting chairs out started because we took a um we took a family vacation to um disney world whichever one is in florida i, I world, always yeah. get them confused disney world um we took a vacation to disney world i must have been like seven or eight and it was my my parents and my grandparents and myself and I'm I'm an only child, um, and we were all um, you know I think this was one of those hotels where you you would rent a suite kind of and there would be like a couple bedrooms and like a kitchenette or something yeah and uh, I got you know I got I went to bed for the night and my parents and grandparents stayed up um, you know playing cards or something and at some point in the night. I left the the hotel suite and I remember going to bed and then I remember and like I these memories are really clear I remember waking up somewhere in the hotel oh my god and I didn't know I didn't know where I was um and so I just started like knocking on doors um because I had I didn't know what floor I was on I didn't know like what part of the hotel I was in. Like, I just, Oh, sure. Like you were was not like, oh, conscious. So you just kind of no. went on walkabout. And it, it was like, I remember this, it was like this weird medieval themed hotel. And there were like, you know, like, uh, you know, decorations of like shields and heraldry. And there were like suits of armor in the lobby and everything. Um, but I, I woke up on some random floor and I didn't know where I was. And I just started knocking on doors. And luckily like, uh, you know, like this is, this sounds like, you know, as an adult now, I'm like, it is wildly dangerous for a, for a seven-year-old child to be knocking on random Florida hotel room doors. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, the um, thing is, is I, I can understand this because we're sort of around the same age and there is a real weird, like demarcation line somewhere around like 1990, where this was like precocious, just kids being kids stuff, even though like you had no control over it. Yes. And then at a certain point, yeah. There was, it was like somebody turned a light switch off and was like, that is bad. So yeah. people will have like, a, yeah. a, well, there's no like gray area. Your reaction is either, ah, the eighties or, you know, uh, yeah. uh, you know, like, oh my God, this is, this is horrifying. Yeah. Right. And like, and so luckily it, it worked out. Like I found the one room, I guess, like the one room that, that the people answered was um, it was like this older couple and they like what are you doing here and I'm like 
I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> because I wasn't even sure if I was in the same hotel. I thought I was, but like, I, I just didn't know. And I have, so, I, I have had those, uh, like, I've never really had a, like a real parasomnia like that. I mean, then I've gotten into it a little bit on, on, on other interviews here where I've talked about the nightmares, but really um, I have, I, I, I used to work when I worked at the record store downtown, I, um, we would go hard like all night and it was loud and it was mm-hmm. very busy and we would drink like monster energy like all night long. And so when I got home, I would crash so hard that when I would wake myself up for whatever reason, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night. Yep. I would have these, I would have these bizarre moments where I would invariably think, where the hell am I? And who is this person in the bed with me? And oh my yes. God. Yep. And it got it was so bad one night that I actually woke up with like actual total amnesia for about 30 petrifying seconds. Right. Which yeah. is, it's terrifying. It really it's terrifying. is. And so this, this old couple that like found me, they, they literally like scooped me up into their arms. They called the front desk and they were like, we have this, we have this little boy here. He says his name is Larry Clow. Is there someone here? You know, are his parents staying here? And like, luckily, you know, the front desk like called my parents and like we all met in the lobby and it was just like a, you know, everyone was so relieved, but like my family was incredibly freaked out because yeah. I just like, I just slipped out. Like no one, no one knew that I, you know, they, they had, they had gone to bed, but like, I didn't make any noise or anything. I just like walked out. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like, um, you get, like um, my sister used to do that a little bit and it's, they're like, like sleepwalkers are like ninjas. Like they just. There's something yeah. about that kind of like somnambulant state where you just, you make no yep. noise. Yeah. And so, so I, d- I did this like, uh, you know, off and on all throughout my childhood and even into my teenage years. Um, and like the, the last time that I really remember having an episode of this was I was on another family vacation and I'd gone to bed and I woke up at the standing at the edge of the, of the hotel pool what like my my like this is yeah i know it sounds i i swear to god this happened <clears throat> i woke up like my toes were perfectly aligned at the at the edge of the hotel pool and i'm just like in like you know my a t-shirt and some boxer shorts and i'm just all of a sudden i wake up and i'm like looking in the pool and i didn't scream or anything but like mentally I was like, Oh fuck. And like, I had that moment, like you just described that like kind of amnesiac moment. I was like, where am I? How did I get here? And and it took, you know, like it took like a good, like 10, 15 seconds to like put it all together and be like, I'm in a hotel. I'm, you know, in this case we were vacationing in Branson, Missouri. Uh, you know, the wild town, <laughs> Las Vegas, La- Las Vegas, if it was run by Ned Flanders. Yeah. Not, not um, Bronson, Missouri. Um, but it like, I, I it, it took a moment to like, kind of re like rebuild, like all of the memories about what I was doing there. And then I had to like, you know, luckily, like I was, I must've been like, you know, 14 or 15. I knew where my room was in the hotel, oh. but like, I was like, also like a I was terrified and then b I was embarrassed because I'm like holy shit I'm in my underwear in the in this hotel and I have to like <laughs> I have to like walk like I have to walk this you know considerable <laughs> distance back to my room right and, and so try to pretend have... that like nothing pr- try to pretend that nothing is going on like oh yeah it's this uh, of course I'm out here in my underwear at, at 2 a.m <laughs> visiting the pool how are you <laughs> Oh man. I like that. Like I, that's a, like, that's, that's an actual like nightmare that I have where it's like, I am either not dressed or not dressed enough. It's one of those like classic anxiety dreams, yeah. you know, naked at yep. school, going to take a test, that sort of thing. My God, except that that was happening in your waking life. And so, and so like, I, w- I went back to, to our, to my, you know, my family room and 
I knocked on the door and like my mom answered the door and she like lost it. She like lost her mind. She was like, what are you doing? Yeah, it happened I again. Like, I was I was like, don't worry about it. And she was like, where were you? Where did you wake up at? And I was like, ah, at the edge of the pool. Oh my God. And so like that, that has not happened in a long time, but like, I still definitely, I talk in my sleep and I, I move around a lot in my sleep. Like mm-hmm. I kind of do a lot of like involuntary, you know, it's, I would say twitching, but it's kind of like, you know, like huge expansive gestures and yeah. like moving around and everything. And like, I'm, I have a lot of ice. I have a lot of anxiety and fear still about, about sleepwalking about, and, and kind of specifically it's evolved into this, this fear of like, of doing something during my sleep. Like, you know, you hear the, uh, you know, you hear those stories about people who, who take Ambien and then like, yeah, yeah, yeah. go out and, and like, like rob I, a store and like, yeah, yeah. Drive yeah, into yeah. the ocean, stuff yeah. like that. And I, I, you know, um, and as you can imagine, I have a, a, a strange relationship with sleeping. And so like for a brief period of time, I, I was taking Ambien and I just like, I, I had to stop taking it because I was like too, too anxious about like doing something Sure. while I was asleep. And so, and so I still, I still have this anxiety and like, and l- luckily, so my, my partner Carrie is, she's an extremely deep sleeper, like extremely, like we're like the, you know, the polar opposites. Like I will wake up at a, at a, you know, if there's a fly buzzing somewhere in the room, I will wake up immediately and can't get back to sleep. She will sleep through anything. And so she thinks it's kind of funny, all the stuff I do when I'm asleep. Like, you know, she'll be like, oh yeah, you totally like you, you just, you threw all the blankets off the bed and then you mumbled something (laughs) (laughs) and then you just rolled over. And I was like, oh my God, what else did I do? Like thinking like, was this a precursor to like getting up and like robbing a, a liquor store or something? Like what else am I doing out there? Um, and she, she just thinks it's funny. She's like, ah, oh, it's, you know, it's adorable. Uh. <laughs> Don't, she, and, and I'm always Apparently, like, oh like, my God, I'm so She's sorry. never been in a hotel with you and woken up to find that you're not there. So. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. This is, it's one of those things. It's, it's somehow it's, it's wound up occupying a large, place in my imagination and it's something that I like I worry about and I also think a lot about and I think like um one of the reasons that I for example I love David Lynch so much is because a lot of his work touches on that idea about like of of being asleep of being like in a dream state and interacting with it physically right um and kind of and kind of you know, bridging that gap between like being awake and being asleep and what the physical body can do that impacts the the kind of dreaming mind. Because I feel like that is something I'm always like, I'm personally worried about. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm worried about being the, the dreamer in a David Lynch scenario. And That's not a good place to and, be. <laughs> right, right. Right. Like, I don't want to wake up and be like, well, you committed a murder in Washington somewhere. <laughs> you know, at first I'd be like, okay, that sounds about right. Like, <laughs> You've been trapped in the Black Lodge for 30 years. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, I've been preparing for this in some way for a while. <laughs> um, what, as you were talking about it, I was actually thinking about David Cronenberg. Um, in that yes where you're like i mean this this obviously is not manifesting in like strange growths on your body and like you know anything like that but it's that same sort of idea where you're uh you're not really in control of yourself and yes you know sleep is really when you're at your most vulnerable because you're just there's not i mean on top of just being unconscious like your body your brain puts into into motion a lot of machinery and uh there's there's for most people there are like countermeasures to acting out the sort of things that you're right. doing in your dreams so like where yes. obviously like there's sort of a disconnect with you where you're sort of gesturing and sort of moving around a lot like that's what they talk about like the hypnagogia that that state where yes you're sort of in a trance yep. and you're not able to move which is where like sleep paralysis comes from but like in your particular state where you're also at your most vulnerable you're 
unconscious mind is like getting up and going for a walk and checking things out and God knows what you could do. And so I can see where, where this is something that could, that would, that would definitely preoccupy your mind because that like you, you are helpless. And that's really what sort of lies. I think at the, at the core of a lot of fear response is um, we are unable to influence the situation for whatever reason yeah this particular one yes. there is absolutely no way that you could consciously influence that 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 is that is mortifying yeah yeah it's it's really intense and it's and like you were talking about sleep paralysis like i've had episodes of that before i have a lot of um i don't have them often but like every now and then i'll just have these really intense nightmares that you know, Carrie will have to wake me up from because I'm, I'm screaming sort of usually involving like ghosts or something. She kind of makes fun of me for it because, because it's like, it happens so often and it's always the fucking ghost dream. The ghost dream is one that and, you, you, I'm very familiar with this. My wife has a lot of the same yeah. sort of parasomnia is not nearly at the level that you're talking about, but like she's had the ghost dream. A lot. And that's usually yeah. like when things in our lives are very much in flux. And so yeah. the anxiety just sort of manifests in this dream about being in a place where things are flying around the room or there is a specter or there, you know, it's, it's, there's always yeah. some kind of like unseen force or, you know, that's, that's just how yeah. that, that anxiety manifests is yeah. feeling like you have no control over, you know, just what's going on in your life in that moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when that, when that happens, like I, I will just start yelling in my sleep and then she'll wake me up and then, you know, just be like, Oh, was it, was it the ghost again? <laughs> like, yeah. I have, um, <laughs> fucking I, ghost. I've, I've definitely had, I've, I've definitely had the dreams and it, it did not happen to me when I was a kid. It happens to me really only when I'm a, when I've been a, you know, an adult, and it's when that I've actually screamed myself awake, but like in my dream, it's a scream. But when I'm, when it, when I'm doing it, like for real, it's right. really more like a, like a warble or a mumble like that. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, really. It's loud enough yeah. to, to wake her up and then she makes fun of me for it. But yep. yeah. Yeah. So I get that. But the so, thing that I, I don't really quite understand about mine is because it's, it's, What's happening in those dreams when I'm I'm so frightened that I actually startle myself awake is just not the sort of thing that warrants that reaction. Like I think I mentioned it in the trailer for this. Like I I, I have I had a dream recently where I was just being followed by a person who I couldn't I could never see their face. Like I turn around and they were there, but yep. their face was always hidden in yep. shadow. And at one point, and I went through some bizarre dream scenario where I went through some sort of like American Ninja Warrior type obstacle course in order to lose them and i'm like aha i did it i got away and then i turn around and here comes this guy again and that's when the screaming started and it's like that's not really scream worthy to me in retrospect but something about it just hit but in the yeah in the context of of the of the kind of moment that you're in in that dream it it makes it makes perfect sense Yeah. yeah dreams are weird man dreams dreams are super weird um the, the sleep paralysis is super weird. I've had that happen to me at least twice. Have you seen um, um, both times? Have you seen the do- the documentary, The Nightmare? No. Odd. So it should should I watch it? Oh my god, yes! <laughs> like you turned me on to the podcast Weird Studies, and I was listening. I was just like I had a, I had a long drive, and so I was listening to just like random episodes. And I did one of their Rodney yeah. Asher episodes, and they talked about that one, and they talked about his movie about um the the shining oh and um that was when i came up with the idea for this show is there the way that they were talking about just sort of like the philosophy of fear if you i think it might be on netflix i actually mentioned this at my last uh with my last guest as we talked about the same the same sort of thing yep and I brought it up and I can't, apparently he hadn't seen it either. I can't remember the last time I saw it. It might be on Hulu. It might be on Netflix still. But um, on top of just being a really cool documentary with a very yeah. awesome, like, characteristic, like, the director has a very sort of signature style, sort of like how Errol Morris, you right. know you're watching an Errol Morris documentary. Right, 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 right. You know yeah, you're yeah. watching one of his. It's very, very illuminating because he talks to about, like, I want to say, like, 10 people who all 
have that condition when they sleep and all of them have these like bits and pieces that are are not just similar but almost identical to one another which adds a very frightening layer on top of it all um this this reminds me so another another kind of sleep related fear thing that i've always held on to i've tried writing about this before and i i i couldn't um, I guess I just couldn't get it across. It, I think you, I think you will appreciate it, uh, given our our kind of shared interest in like horror movies and everything. But to to give some context, um, uh, when I was really young, probably like five or so, um, my uh, my he still is, but my dad was a long haul truck driver, um, and so like we, my mother and I would would go with him on on long trucking runs this was you know back in the 80s when you could do this sort of thing no one no one asked any questions um and you know he had like a sleeper cab and everything and so we would you know it was like camping sort of um except except in a you know in a peterbilt and you know going you know across the you know tappan zee bridge uh, a bunch <laughs> of times or or whatever but i remember that it, it's like it's such a weird memory um i remember that we uh, you know, we generally slept in the sleeper cab most nights. Um, but for some reason we had like a really, really long day and we stopped at a, at a motel, um, which was like kind of unusual, um, but not unheard of. Um, and we had this portable TV that we brought with us. And so we went into the motel and like everybody got ready for bed and everything. And I was watching, I was watching the portable TV um, and my parents fell asleep and I remember falling asleep and then waking up and I, I had to use the bathroom. And so I went into the bathroom of this motel room and the portable TV was still on. There was like just static on. Yeah. This is in a time when television actually went off the air. Yeah. Television went off the air and they just didn't put anything on there. <laughs> there wasn't even like a, a you know, channel logo or anything. So I went in the bathroom and I was like using, I was using the bathroom and I felt like there was something in the bathroom with me. And again, like, I, I honestly don't like, I have this memory. I don't know if this was a dream that I'm remembering or if it's like just a memory, but I felt like something was in the bathroom with me. And so I looked over to my, to my right. And the, the sh- you know, the shower was in there yeah. and the shower curtain is open and standing in the shower is Jason Voorhees <laughs> from the Friday, the 13th movies. And just like as big as like just life size, just standing there. And like, you know, it, I'm five years old, but at this point I've, I've seen a bunch, you know, I've seen whatever Friday the 13th movies were out by this time. And like, it was, it was definitely a weird time because I remember being taken to see the empire strikes back when it was in the movies, my dad took me and the very first Friday the 13th was out at that time playing at the same theater. And I was fascinated by that poster. And so it was definitely, I was like four maybe at the time. So like I, it was definitely in the, like the childhood consciousness. Yeah. And so like I was, five in like 1987 and so like there you know probably six six of them you know five or six of them had been out at that point and you know I had I had seen a bunch um because my parents just didn't regulate anything that I I watched or anything and so like I I remember like like looking over and I'm like you know taking a taking a whiz basically and I see Jason Voorhees and he's just standing in the shower and like part of and like I remember like going through all the reactions like part of my brain is like well this is it (laughs) like you know like you know sort of my brain is like well you know what happens now but then also part of my brain was like actually no it's totally cool like (laughs) it's fine and I was like I was like yeah I guess it is totally fine you're like yeah you turn to me like like, hey man I'm a big fan (laughs) right and so like I finished, I finished peeing and I like looked, I looked at him again and he's just standing there. Still like, there. You like looked away and you look still, back and there. still there. 
I looked away and I looked back and, and like my brain was try- like, I remember like my brain trying to be like, this is a dream. And I would look back and I'd see him and I'd be like, it's not a dream. And so I just like, I left the bathroom, like the only light that was on was like maybe a small nightlight and like the glow of the television basically. Mm-hmm. And I went back and I, I laid down on the, I think I had like a cot or something in the room and I like, and I had a view of the bathroom from where I was like laying down and I kind of like looked over again and like, I could still see him. That's crazy. Like just, just standing in the shower. And, and like, I had that thought again, my brain was like, you can't go back to sleep. Like, you know what happens. <laughs> and then, and then immediately followed by this thought of it, he's totally fine. Like, <laughs> like it's okay. Yeah. And then I just went, I went back to sleep and like, I, you know, I think the next, you know, the next morning I woke up and I was like trying to tell my parents about it. And I must, I sounded like an insane person sure. half the time to my, my, yeah, like my parents anyways. It's the child. Yes. It's the kids thing is like, you, you know, this amazing thing happened to me. I got to tell you about right. it. Most parents are just like what being a parent now, like my son did, used to do this all the time. Like he would say these things that were just fucked up, but like to him coming out of right. his mouth, it was just like, Oh yeah. Like he used to tell us stories about, um, his like basically his past life is what it kind of sounds like. Oh and yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. He would yeah. have these. He would he would tell a story like um, that was basically like Superman's origin story, where like the planet was blowing up and his dad sent him away, and and so he would periodically tell us stories about his old dad. This old dad would show up and he would how his old dad would come up and watch him sleep through his window, which is kind of a chilling thought, but it's even better. His bedroom's on the second floor what (laughs) so it's like a salem's lot situation oh my god yeah yeah like it's just like kids little kids do stuff just without a thought like they'll just tell you these things because like they'll just tell you and and like being five is like being on acid all the time yes yeah (laughs) and it's like being on acid but like being on like having the acid experience be totally normal to you (laughs) you're like oh yeah i yeah, you yeah, you guys, I just saw Jason Voorhees in the in the motel in the motel room bathroom, but he's cool. He's more chill than you think. <laughs> and like just he was just I, looking I for a place to imagine, cool off. Like, he was just he just hung out, you know? And like I can't imagine like what my parents must have thought. Like I think you know, I think they my my family sort of has always regarded me as kind of like weird anyways yeah and so i'm sure that like saying this stuff they're just like all right whatever yeah (laughs) whatever yeah whatever you say crazy person that like that is a little bit like the uh like the sleep paralysis condition where all of those people in in that documentary they express the same thing where there is always like this menacing being that either they see or they don't see they hear it like one guy has a yes terrible story about about a a person who would like hiss horrible terrible things to him from his closet with the door closed like absolutely that is terrifying but um like the night hag the hag attack like that kind of story you would hear a lot of that bears a lot in common with what you were experiencing like a friend of mine would tell me stories when she was growing up like this always only seems to happen to kids and being of like an esoteric mindset, I always kind of wonder what that is. Like there's so much commonality that it strikes me as like, this is some kind of a force that manifests when you're right. in that kind of right. weird state. Like um, I did, a, I don't, do you, do you remember? It was, it was, it was a couple of years ago at this point, but there was a guy, there was a, a scientist who was a graduate student at MIT. He was doing a, he built a device called Dormio that was meant to, Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Help kind of keep you in a, in a state of sort of like that real early phase of sleep. Yeah. That kind of like lucid dreaming sort of liminal state. Right. Yeah. So I was a research uh, subject in that. So I actually went down to the media lab and and did the thing and he put the device on my hand, which is, it was a bunch of sensors that like, you know, just read biometrics and, and there's a little flexion thing that can tell like when you're when you're relaxing that sort of jars you up and when i had finally 
manage to actually get into a groove and land in that in that state one of the things that i i he played back the 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 line and asked me if i could elaborate on it but he because when you start to hit it a recorder comes on and he just asks you to say like whatever comes to mind really and the thing that i said at this like just peak flow state moment of like lucid dreaming was um like i said something like he's here with me right now and he's like what like do you remember what what you were talking about like what that meant and i had only the vaguest recollection and it was just this sense the sense that like there was something in the room with us that only i could see but right. i don't really remember what it was uh, but like a friend of mine has a story where like she woke up and would you know go to the bathroom and every once in a while she'd open the door and there'd be this old lady just like rummaging around in the in the in the bathroom and so it's something about like being a kid waking up in the middle of the night and going to the bathroom like that's where a lot of these if you look yes. it up like there's a lot of yeah. people like there's there's like facebook groups yep. and there's you know social media like all over the place and a lot of the common re- responses are old lady bathroom you know woke up in the middle of the night it's it's yeah you and like I, i'm definitely I think this this is an area that I, I actually haven't done a lot of reading on because I, I think I'm sort of afraid to know more about it. Like I think it's one of those areas that I'm I always approach with trepidation because in in general, you know, I th- I think with a lot of these esoteric subjects, like I always do want to know more about stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I find it really easy to go down like some rabbit holes, but there are some things like this that I feel like hit too close to home oh, sure. that I'm like, eh, I'm like, no, no, thanks. Like, I don't want to know more about this because I don't, it, it's that, I think it's that same principle of like, uh, that same principle of like, when you're asleep and you're vulnerable, like these things are happening and you have no control over it. And I don't want to find out exactly how much control i don't have and exactly how vulnerable i am right right in these in these scenarios like like those uh, you know i remember you know like the the paranormal activity movies you know like yeah i think they start out with like don't they start out with like just audio recording something and then they like ramp up to video. I might be misremembering something I, here. It's been so long since I've seen it, but a lot of I most of the like, movie is a single camera shot of a couple in bed. So, a, yeah, right. And so, like, I've you know, like you know, some people have said like, oh, you should like have a you should have a tape recorder out so that you can record and see what you talk about in your sleep. And I'm like, no. Yeah. No, thanks. I don't want to know. It's very easy to... as an outsider to be like, I must know you have got to do this so that I can, I can like find out all the details of this thing. But like, this is, this is happening to you. And this is something right. that affects you right. very, very closely. Like in my, and so, as an outsider, like from my point of view, I would like kind of stay away just out of fear of demystifying it. Um, because like, if yeah. I were to look into it and be like, oh, well, there is this spiritual force that comes and just, hovers over you and menaces you and like feeds off of you like it's cat's eye or something like that like that's like to me i'm like sweet but to somebody like you you'd be like this is the worst thing that's ever happened i'd be like no thanks no thanks i'm good but that that said like i don't i feel like there is that commonality of experience and i feel like that there is something that is being tapped into like you're talking about like the stuff that your son says, you know, about like his old dad visiting him or something. Um, I was actually just talking to a a friend last night and she was saying that like her, her son, who's like four, just, I think it might've been just last night. Like she went to, you know, he'd gone to bed and then she went to check on him and he was like, tell dad to stop coloring on the bed. (laughs) And she was like, your dad's not in here. And he's like, he's coloring on the bed tell him to stop and like and she said it and she was like ha, isn't that funny and mentally i was like oh my god like what did he see there is <laughs> because there's something lacking mentally, context something so innocent like that can come across as terribly menacing 
right. Like she said it and she's like, ah, what a funny anecdote. And like, in my mind, I'm like, A, that wasn't his dad. (laughs) And B, I don't know what he was doing on the edge of the bed, but he wasn't coloring. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) let's just all take a moment here. (laughs) And so I, I, like, I think, I think you're right. And I think that there is this sort of like, I don't know. I think that there is something that like gets tapped into like when uh, people, you know, excuse me, when people are sleeping and, and, you know, not everyone, obviously, but I think some people just like tap into whatever this is and brush up against a thing. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. And like I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts on this and I'll, I'll talk about it with you offline at some point, but this yeah. is definitely not the, not the venue for it. But like, I, I have thoughts on this and uh, you're, you're kind of speaking my language right, right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, luckily it's a thing that I'm afraid of. So I feel like it was <laughs> kind of yeah. fitting in with the, with the, with the theme of the show. Um, I, I will say my, my two sleep paralysis experiences, one of them happened shortly after I read Helter Skelter oh boy. by, by Vincent Bugliosi. And I had a, I had a definite like Manson family sleep paralysis experience where I thought like they were in, uh, this was in, in a, you know, they were in my apartment. And at the time I had this apartment where like, uh, it was an extremely small apartment. And like in my bedroom, if I was laying in bed, I could look out the bedroom door and I could see like sort of straight down the hallway into the kitchen. And I just had this, like, I was like paralyzed and they were all in the kitchen sort of oh, the Manson family and they were like the Manson family uh, yeah and they were like what they were like they were all like talking and like talking about me and starting to like slowly come down the hallway oh shit is was awful this was, was terrible and like I was I was living by myself at the time like it was just like I, it was like a yeah I woke up and this, and this was like happening in my brain, but it felt like it was really happening in real life. And I was like, oh my God, I can't, I can't escape. It's something that I've written about Sleep. a little bit, but we, we experience like sort of reality, the world around us in a sort of secondhand way. Like everything that we, we take it for granted that like everything that is where we're seeing that we're touching, that we're tasting, hearing is what's actually happening. But what's really happening is we're just all of these, you know, senses, the nerves, everything is just taking stimulus information, feeding it to our brain, which is kind of right. interpreting that and filling out the gaps. And so you, we all just kind of take it, it. We, we trust that this reality that we've kind of come to accept as like the real thing is in fact, the real thing, because to do otherwise is madness. It's, it's schizophrenia. Right. Right. It's, exactly. So to be in that state, where you're like, I'm awake right now, and there is something happening in my actual field of vision that when you're in that moment, do you actually feel like it's real? Or, or, or is there something in you that's like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm still sleeping, I'm dreaming? Like, are, is there an awareness? Or are you still sort of in that kind of dream space where, you know, crazy shit happens, and you just accept it? I'm I'm in that dream space. That okay. Crazy, crazy shit is happening, and I have, and and that's and that's what's happening as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is generally, you know, what happens whenever I have any sort of like nightmare or something. Is my my brain is like this is, this is what's happening. Yeah. Um, you know this this ghost is is you've opened this door and this ghost is coming at you now. Like, yeah. Or this uh, thing that you are trying to keep behind a door is, is pushing the door open. <laughs> it's coming out. Oh no. Is that a thing that happens? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. This, I mean, I don't want to, you know, this is, I think it's interesting. So one of the, um, so I don't, I guess we're, we're talking a lot about sleep and dreams and everything. And so I don't know about you, but I have a definite, um, I, I guess I've been, I've, in the last couple of years, as I've thought about it, I've taken to calling it like a dream geography, sort of. I'm so and glad you went and here. It's some, and, it, and okay, this is great. And this is actually something that I like, I had like a, a solid, like 
God, maybe like a month of like sort of dreams that all like, and like over the course of my life, I've developed this. And then like two years ago, I had a solid month of dreams sort of all taking place in, in the same area yeah. kind of. And it's um, basically like my, my childhood home slash um, kind of my childhood home and the, the surrounding property. And um, I guess what's notable about it is that my childhood home is, um, is like an, it's an incredibly old, like New England house. I guess the, the probably dating to like the late 1700s, like the original, original part of the house, like the kitchen and the, you know, like the main portion of uh, the kitchen and the attic. And like, a, and I think there was like one other room was like a, it was like a two room house built in late 1700s. And then, you know, got slowly added onto over the course of, uh, of its lifetime. And then a, a barn behind it. And then, you know, we had like this huge yard that, you know, probably at one point had been used for farming and everything. And it um, is all sort of um, directly around uh, Lake Massabesic in, in Manchester. Yeah. Um, which is like a very, I, I don't know. There's something about Lake Massabesic, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I, this is a this is a thing that I have wanted to read more about, but I just I haven't made the time to like get too deep into the history. Um, and I guess it's one of those things where I'm like, I really want to know about like the esoteric history of this particular spot in New Hampshire. And then I'm like, that's something you have to find out about and then uh, write yeah. about. Like no one, uh, well, no you one know, has a book about this. Um, you know that Arkham from the Lovecraft stories is not like everybody thinks it's like Salem or Danvers or Ipswich. It's um, mm-hmm. it's actually Manchester, New Hampshire. Like he had been there and something about the city just caught him. What? Really? I yeah. did not know that. There are, um, he had I, be- like, I believe it. He had drawn like really in, if you look at some of his letters, he had drawn like very crude maps of what he sort of imagines Arkham to look like. And if you, you compare them to Manchester, uh, they're very similar where like, the Miskatonic River yep. runs through and it's very much shaped in the same sort of way that the Mer- the Merrimack River flows through. And okay. like there yep. are like uh, bridges that go over it that are kind of in the same locations yep. as... Um, the, this this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, so yeah, so this, so like my childhood home, the barn, this sort of like, you know, one or, you know, one and a half acres of, of land that was our yard that had been some, some farming. And then just like this expanse of woods behind us that like leads back to Lake Massabesic. And then like a bunch of like kind of locations around it, like all over the years, like sort of developed into this like dream geography where um, I have these recurring dreams that take place like either in in the house, in the barn, in the property around the barn where, and it's re- it's oddly really consistent. Like um, there will be like outbuildings that aren't there in like in the real world, yeah. but in this dream geography, these outbuildings are kind of always there. Um, and in, in various stages of, of kind of decay or, up, or good upkeep, you know, in some cases, the outbuildings are totally falling apart. And in other cases, the outbuildings are new, but they're always sort of like very consistent in terms of like their placement of, of where they are in relation to like the barn and the house and the, the rest of the property. And, and then especially like the area around the lake. And so like, I remember probably, probably about a mile away from in real life from my, my childhood home, in either direction are like public access areas to Lake Massabesic. So like if you go out of the driveway of my parents' house and you take a right, you'll go to, you'll hit a traffic circle and there will be like a little park that you can like hang out at the lake. If you take a left and you go up a mile and over this like, this really kind of, in real life, it's not steep. In my dream, it is incredibly steep and incredibly dangerous. You go over this incredibly steep hill and go down you'll hit a bridge that has a little pull-off area for boat access. And this boat access area is something that shows up again and again. 
and it's sort of I and I and I've never truly I've never fully like sussed out this legend but and I don't even know if I actually heard this legend or if it's something I came up with in the dream um but there is apparently in that spot of the lake uh like a deep spot like a spot that like they can't measure how far down it goes it's just (laughs) well jesus christ now i gotta look this up if you find something let me know like i i have never found anything else about it and i at this point i and at this point it's something that like is so kind of ingrained in my brain and in this strange like sub subconscious geography that i've developed that i don't i really don't know if it's something that i heard when i was a kid or if it's like something that like my brain made up in a dream because like both are kind of equally plausible that like, and I can like picture where it is. Like if you're, um, I guess in this case, you would be going East towards dairy and you go over this bridge. And if you look out into the uh, look out on the right, that part of the lake that's on the right, um, somewhere near near where the bridge is is like that's where the deep spot is and it's just a spot in a lake that like no one knows how far down it goes that's crazy and i like i mapped i like i mapped this all out a couple years ago in in one of my notebooks because i had like a month of of dreams about like the barn and the outbuildings and the house and like um and like were there were there ghosts in these dreams oh yes oh yeah (laughs) Of course there were. There were, there were lots of them. And there were lots of like, um, you know, sort of very Lovecraftian things of, of like digging things up in the barn or like, you know, like removing the floor bo- floorboards and finding something or uh, going to the outbuildings after they had been in disuse for a number of years and finding, you know, finding animals living in there that like should not have been in there. Yeah and things like this and it like it got so consistent that I was like I have to map this out because like I feel like I need to like I feel like there's something here I need to make sense out of there definitely is something to this I feel like when when these symbols pop up over and over and over again there's something is calling to you and it could be something you know from you know from the spirit world or it could just be you know there's something unconscious there's something some detail in your brain that is trying to surface. And like, this is the way that it signals to you Um, in, in, I have something very similar and I've never drawn it out, but I probably could. It's been a little while since I've actually had the dreams, but I also had that patch where for a couple of years, I was almost nightly dreaming about like the same handful of locations and the geography of those locations was so consistent that I could like, if I were to go there in my, my conscious mind, I could just walk around like and know where I was. Right, 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 right. Like yeah. um, there was this sort of weird kind of labyrinthian version of the high school I went to. Um, yep. Where in those dreams, it was almost the same dream every time where it's, I'm at school, I have to be in class, but I don't know where I'm supposed to be and nobody will give me a schedule. Like that's the typical, that's, you know, yep. concept of the dream, but the dream, but the, it's the location that's, always so weird like the school office is in this section behind the cafeteria the band room is up in this like weird area where you have to walk up several flights of stairs and it's it's this kind of strange like like alcove and it's got a quality sort of like like a like a todd browning movie or you know fritz lang or something yep um another one that for some reason was was very consistent was um it was a mall and it's in the mall's composition was every mall I've ever been to. Like, it was just like whenever my brain needed to sort of like pull shopping mall location, right. it just went to like whatever yep. came first. But yep. in the mall, there was always this one section of it. Like, you know how, like you go to any given shopping mall, there's like a Macy's or there's a Sears and they've always got their own place where you go around the corner yep. and there it is. And it takes up a very large piece of the real estate. It's, it was always like that. It was like that part of it where it used to be a large department store, but now it's nothing and the lights are off. Um, there's, uh, there's always, there, was, there was always a series of dreams about a city, but the 
quality, the, the thing about the city that was really, I was always in was this sort of network of highways that went around it. And the highways were constructed like roller coasters where the, the hills were very steep and suddenly <laughs> dropped. And I would always be driving and get to a part where it was too steep to drive and I'd have to climb up and I'd like claw my way to the top. And, you know, it was like stuff like that. Oh, it sounds so stressful. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, like you would believe. But the one that that's kind of that that's very similar to what you were just talking about with these very kind of old outbuildings was there was a like a, a very poor neighborhood is one of the locations where all the houses yep. always takes place at night. It always takes place in the autumn. There's no trees, uh, there's no leaves on the trees. There's just a bunch of like street lights. It's very claustrophobic, even though you're outside and everything has kind of like yep. Tim, Tim Burton qualities to the houses. Where right. just is like right. yeah, weird angles. And like you were saying, where you were always faced with some finding a thing, finding like digging stuff up. There was one that I had dreamed several times where there was a girl in a house who would talk to me through the window and she was like an adult woman, um, but I could only ever really see her face through the window. And I would walk around to the side and look in to the to the house from the side. And what I saw was not the girl, but this hideous writhing beast wearing a girl's face like a mask. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My, my unconscious mind is a shit show. Jesus. <laughs> So um, I, this I, this feels like a good, like a good place to 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 draw the line, and I have really enjoyed the hell out of this. This has been a very very strange and very terrifying conversation. Yeah, um, I but, but uh, sort of very therapeutic somehow. Also, it is. Like I have I'm... found in that every one of these, I have I have come. I, I've really sort of like come to understand myself a little bit better, and I've kind of seen yeah. that. There's way more, we have way more in common in these things that kind of threaten us in these states. Um, yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. a very humanizing thing. And I, I really, I really, I think there's, there's some value in it, but um, I, yeah. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me. Yeah, this, thank I, you. I have really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank this. you. This has been, yeah, this has been really great. It's been, it's been a lot of fun and yeah, it's been, it's been great going down this very strange road with you <laughs> uh larry Clower, and yeah thanks thanks so much i think we i guess we've now known each other for like 15 years so here's here's to another 15 years uh going down this weird shit together. i'll have you back because i have a feeling that we have got a lot more to talk about Thank you for listening to Fear is the Mind Killer. Once again, I'd like to ask that if you liked what you heard, that you subscribe to me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and while you're at it, a five-star review would be greatly appreciated. If you'd like to follow me on social media, you can find me on Twitter at ThatWerewolfThough, that's T-H-O, and on Instagram as FitMKPod. Join me again in two weeks when I once again dive into the depths of fear and personal horror on Fear is the Mind Killer.